Good morning, and God bless you. We're delighted that you have joined with us this morning, and I realize that this is a little unconventional and unexpected. However, I am glad to be in the church of the living God and to be preaching to God's people and to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we're delighted to have everybody with us here this morning. Perhaps you're visiting with us, and I want to extend a welcome to you. We're delighted that you've joined us and trust that you enjoy what you hear and that you'll come back and be with us again. We want to start with prayer this morning. Uh, we want to continue to pray for our nation uh, that is in great distress today. We want to continue to pray for our good president, that God would navigate his steps we want to pray for our community, that God would open up great doors of communication and utterance in our community. And we want to pray for our brothers and sisters, Cornerstone Pentecostal Church, and around the world. Perhaps you have a special unspoken request. This is a perfect time to make that known unto God. Let's pray together right now. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the power of your spirit. We thank you for the roadmap of the word of God. Father, we extend prayers for our nation right now. We extend prayers for our president that you will navigate his steps in troubling times. Father, we pray for our community here, Spokane, and the greater Spokane area, that you will open up doors of opportunity of utterance and communicating this great message. Father, I pray for Cornerstone Pentecostal Church and my brothers and sisters around the world that you would build a hedge of protection around your people, open up the windows of heaven. We pray that you'll pour out strength and provision, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Uh, before we get started here and I read my text here this morning, I do want to say this. Cornerstone Pentecostal Church is employing the greatest hygienic standards uh, that we possibly can. Um, however, um, I think it's unrealistic to assume that even with all the hygienic standards that we're not going to be confronted at least at some point with some kind of contact with either quarantining or some person that has contracted uh, the coronavirus. But even with those things uh, as they are, we are still employing the greatest hygienic standards that we possibly can uh, to keep God's people and visitors to this church safe and sound. Um, that is just a disclaimer. Uh, perhaps if somebody was to come in contact with somebody or even to contract the virus, uh, then immediately as the pastor, we put in measures of distancing them away from the church and God's people and employing the highest standards, some of which are even employed by our county and our state. So I'm saying that as uh, a statement um, so that you feel safe um, and you feel like coming to church is, is going to be the appropriate thing to do because we are going to be gathering here again next Sunday. And everybody said amen. Praise God. I'd like to direct your attention this morning to an important passage of Scripture in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 60. 
and we're going to start reading in verse number one. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about, and see all they gather themselves together. They come to thee, thy sons shall come from afar, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. Now that is an incredible passage of scripture that is talking about a calamitous event that is definitely ubiquitous. It is appearing to be uh, global in its extent. And yet in the midst of this great gross darkness, we see the divine favor of God upon God's people. And as a result of this divine, detectable, noticeable, discernible favor on God's people, the Bible says in verse number three, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. I wanna to preach to us for a few moments this morning about gross darkness, the people. Gross darkness, the people. I know that we've already prayed, but I want to pray again that the word of God would go forth with power and would find entrance into our faith, into our hearts, into our mind. And if you're visiting with us, that it would be a ray of hope into your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for those that have joined us here this morning. God, we pray for the word of God and the spirit of God to be a great strength and a great hope and a great benefit to the people of this world and those that are watching specifically. God, I pray for a great door of utterance to be opened and I pray for a window to be opened in heaven that you would pour out revelation and illumination and understanding and the great things that are promised to us. We ask all of this in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said amen. As I've already mentioned, this particular passage of scripture, we noticed that there is a predicament that covers the entirety of the earth. Now, this is important for several reasons. Um, as I read through this scripture, I was drawn immediately to the fact that this um, sounds a lot like the pandemic that we have all experienced. We know that this pandemic has been experienced worldwide. Over 180 nations have reported uh, deaths as a result of the coronavirus. And they have also reported that they have put their nations under a lockdown. Now that's 180 nations minimum. And that was early on that that number was calculated. So it was probably even beyond 180 nations. But I'm also reminded how that in Acts chapter number two, it says that the Holy Ghost was poured out upon all flesh. The entirety of the world 
experienced the Holy Ghost, whether they received it or not, obviously they haven't, but the Spirit of God circumvented the globe and was poured out upon all flesh. And so we are reading a very rare glimpse of a situation that exists in which it covers the entirety of the earth. The Bible says in verse number two, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. Two different things that we want to talk about this right now. First of all is the experience of this darkness. This darkness that covers the earth is not just um, a physical darkness. I don't even believe that that's really what's being described here. I do not believe that it's actually describing a physical darkness. I believe that it's talking about the gloom and the sensation of hopelessness that becomes ubiquitous as a human experience. The Bible says that it circumvents the entire earth. And then the Bible also says gross darkness. It's not just darkness in terms of maybe spiritual obliqueness that may exist in the spiritual realm. In Ephesians chapter number six, the Bible tells us, it gives us the hierarchy of uh, the realm of, the, of demons and devils. When it talks about principalities and powers, it talks about um, rulers of darkness of this present world, rulers of darkness of this present world. And so I believe that this darkness is absolutely a spiritual form of oppression and suppression and depression that blankets the entirety of, of, of the earth and more specifically gross darkness upon the people meaning that this is a darkness that is not just darkness that, that, that eclipses spiritual of illumination. But I believe that this is a form of darkness that is tangible, it is discernible, it is, it is noticeable, it is feelable. And people communicate uh, that they are under this type of darkness. But I also wanna be quick to add that God always has an answer in the midst of this darkness when it said that the Lord shall rise upon thee and the glory shall be seen upon thee. I want you to understand that whenever you see clouds move in and, and it eclipses the illumination that is given to us by our sun, that you have to understand no matter how horrible the weather is, no matter how dangerous the weather seems, beyond the cloud bank there is a sun that is still shining. Beyond the depression, there is a God that is there. Beyond your situation, there is the reality of an almighty God that is in control of everything. I think that this is a great time for us to lift our hands and just thank God for his constancy and, and his illumination. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor for who you are. And we give you great praise and recognition in Jesus' name. I want to go back to the beginning and begin to show us how that spiritual illumination uh, existed at the very beginning in the book of Genesis, chapter number one. The Bible says in verse two, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. This is not necessarily talking about, once again, physical darkness. Physical darkness was eradicated on the third day when God made the greater light and the lesser light, uh, referring to the sun 
which is the center uh, of our solar system, and the moon that is reflective in the night. But this is talking about spiritual uh, illumination, and earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Make no mistake about it, the Spirit of God moves in darkness. The Spirit of God is moving even before there is revelation, even before there is creation. The Spirit of God is seen moving where there is obliqueness and where there is darkness. The Spirit of God is moving upon the face of the deep. And in verse number three, and God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. This is very important terminology. Theologically, once again, this is not a reference to physical light, neither the sun or the moon or the stars. But this is talking about the availability of spiritual illumination, be it revelation, be it understanding, be it the, avail the availability of, of some enlightenment that is available to, uh, to any form of creation that existed at this time, that God is getting things in preparation for uh, his creative demonstration. And so we see that spiritual illumination, it penetrates the darkness and God divides the light from the dark. I want to stop here long enough to say that God is never going to allow darkness to win this battle. God is never going to allow darkness uh, to exist uh, on this side of eternity. Darkness may appear uh, for a little while and, and weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. God is not going to allow spiritual darkness to exist without illumination this side of eternity. Hallelujah. In John chapter 1, we have almost a New Testament mirror of what we saw in Genesis chapter number 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, um, and nothing that was made was made without Him. I'm sorry. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Here again, you see creation and you see the Word of God, and you see illumination. But now it's bringing it a little closer into the human universe, if I could put it that way, into the human dimension by saying, in Him was life. Of course, we know that that Him is talking about in verse number 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That is talking about Jesus Christ. And now in Genesis chapter number one, that is talking about the creative universe and specifically planet Earth. But here in John chapter one, it is talking about the human experience and it's talking about being created by the word. Let us continue uh, to read here, read him. And in verse number five, it says, and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Here in this particular verse, you are reading something in the New Testament that gives us a little bit of illumination of what happened in Genesis chapter number one. Here we have that darkness existed, the, the earth was empty, it was void, and darkness covered uh, the face of the earth. 
but the Spirit of God was moving. And God said, let there be light. This is almost an overlay, what we're seeing here in John chapter number 1, that can be overlaid on Genesis chapter number 1. The Bible said comprehended here, but it really has a word picture that there is a punching of the hole uh, through the darkness. There is a blasting into the darkness. There is a blasting into uh, the spiritual realm. And the Bible said that the darkness comprehended it not. I want to stop long enough to say that when Cornerstone started 26 years ago, it was the arrival of illumination. And we just said that the darkness is not going to swallow us up. The negativity is not going to swallow us up. But we just dug in our heels and the darkness comprehended it not. Maybe you're the first one saved in your household. Maybe you're, you're among a family that's not even saved. Maybe, maybe you're in a neighborhood that's not even saved. Do not accept the darkness. Do not accept the negativity. Dig your heels in and just say, I'm going to let my light shine because the darkness cannot stop it. The darkness does not comprehend it. The darkness cannot overwhelm it and punch a hole in the darkness. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 The darkness could not vanquish the light. In our text in Isaiah 60, this is absolutely an eschatological scripture. And I, we've been using that word a lot because of being under this pandemic and seeing the things that we're seeing in our nation and in our world definitely have a reference to these scriptures. And the Bible said that gross darkness, the people. And this gross darkness is not just, as I've already mentioned, it's not just uh, the, the sensation that there is no light, but it's actually a tangible darkness. It is a, it is a discernible darkness. Darkness. It is a darkness that is represented by uh, words like gloom, which means uh, being utterly dismal or utterly obscure or uh, o opacity in which it is, it is all dark. It is a dark in which there is no illumination. Uh, several years ago in the city of Seattle, where they have over 200 days of clouds uh, over their city, and, and they have rain over 200 days uh, a year, that there is a special uh, term that was created uh, and a, a condition uh, that there are people that cannot operate under that consistent black clouds of not having any illumination. And so somebody in Seattle, Washington, invented a little tiny light that these people carry around in their pocket. And uh, when they get the feeling, these feelings of oppression and, and suppression and depression and, and hopelessness, they pull this little light out and, and they click this light on. And this light is a reminder to them uh, that there is a sun on the other side of those clouds and there's a blue sky on the other side of those clouds and there's stars on the other side uh, of those clouds. 
But I thought it was interesting that they, uh, they actually have come up with inventions and coined phrases and actually called it a, a mental, a type of mental uh, disorder in which this occlusion where there is no illumination, uh, it, 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 uh, human beings were never designed to feel that kind of darkness. The human element was never designed to coexist with unending depression and unending uh, suppression. Uh, there's a few facts about depression that I'd like to read uh, to us here this morning. Hallelujah, it is an incredibly reality. It's one of the, it's one of the, uh, the fastest growing human experiences in Western culture. Hallelujah. Almost one-fifth of the entire American public uh, has been diagnosed as being clinically depressed. Um, over $1 billion a year are spent personally uh, to deal with depression. Preschoolers in America represent the fastest growing market for antidepressants. I can't even imagine a parent giving an antidepressant to a child that does not have the understanding and the wherewithal to comprehend life and the fact that, the, uh, that there's a God and there's a devil and, and there's hope. But nonetheless, preschoolers in America represent the fastest growing market for antidepressants with over one million children in America currently on antidepressants. 30% of all American women suffer from depression. Almost 10% of all teenagers in America uh, suffer from depression, and these numbers are growing exponentially. The, the statistics of suicide in America are directly tied to depression. And uh, antidepressants do not help this problem. Uh, they are finding out that they can deal with, with these things. They attempt to deal with them psychotropically, uh, where they try to change the mood of a person, and they try to block certain aspects of the human brain where they do not think about certain things in an attempt to affect the mood of a person. Listen to what the Bible says in Luke chapter number 21 and verse number 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. You'll remember that I said several weeks ago that whenever you see uh, that terminology, sea or waves, and it's used in an end time occurrence, that it's talking about the masses of humanity. Verse number 26 says, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Hallelujah. I want to tell you that there is an answer. I know that we've been all under this pandemic. And now uh, this, this virus is everywhere, even though they're starting to slowly but surely lighten up on the social standards uh, that were put upon us by the government. I want to tell you that you cannot escape this. Somebody you probably know is in quarantine. Probably somebody you know has already gotten the virus or they will get the virus. What am I trying to tell you? I'm telling you that this is something that the entire human race is facing right now. But I want to tell you that God has an answer and God has the power and God has the hope. And I don't care if gross darkness covers this earth. I don't care if hopelessness covers this world. I want to tell you that revival is ours. And the power of God is in the church of the living God. Let's clap our hands and give him praise.
Hallelujah. I'm clapping all by myself. And that's all right. I want to tell you, as dark as the devil is trying to make things, God is allowing things to be made. I thought it was bad enough that we were all suffering a pandemic. I thought it was bad enough that this thing has covered the entire globe. I thought it was bad enough that we were all in a lockdown. I thought it was bad enough that our, uh, the financial aspect of our nation has been greatly impacted. But now you have riots. Now you have people by tens of thousands that are rioting and, and attempting to change laws. And now you have people that are looting and robbing and mayhem and lawlessness and iniquity is on a rampage. Every bit of this is already reported in the Word of God. But I want to tell you something. God has an answer. God has a purpose. And it is the challenge of the church of the living God to understand what our purpose is in tumultuous times. And I want to tell you, it is no time to worry about the financial situation in our world. It's no time to be concerned about any of those kind of things. It is a time for us to rise and shine. It is a time for us to absolutely manifest what we have in God. God did not give us the Holy Ghost for when the sun was shining and everybody was smiling and the birds were singing. God did not just give us the Holy Ghost when we all had uh, a house and a two-car garage and dogs and cats and everybody was happy. But I want to tell you, the Holy Ghost is good in the good times and the Holy Ghost is there in trying times. The Holy Ghost is going to be there on the mountaintop. The Holy Ghost is going to be there in the valley. The Holy Ghost is going to be there when everything seems great and the Holy Ghost is going to be the same when things are not great. What I'm trying to tell you is the potentiality of revival, great revival, the Bible tells me in this setting is going to happen because people are going to rise and shine. The people of God are going to understand who they are and where they are. Depression is everywhere. Hopelessness is everywhere. Chaos is everywhere. But the people of God are going to understand the times and know that they've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this and recognize I'm in a kingdom that cannot be moved. I am in a plan that cannot be changed. I am in a program that will never deviate. And it's time to rise and shine. Clap your hands and give him praise. You want to know where the blessing of the Lord is in this particular chaotic situation right now? The blessing of the Lord is, is in understanding who we are. It's in understanding what I'm doing. It's in understanding why God called me out. It's why, in understanding why God firmly planted my feet. It's an understanding of where I am and who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. And while gross darkness covers this globe and affects people with a tangibility to where people are becoming, uh, they're looking at suicide and they're looking at, I need, I need to get a, a psychiatrist. I need, to, I need to do something. I'm panicking. We need to understand that this is our day. This is our hour. This is the time for the greatest revival this world has ever known. Let's give him praise. I believe it. I believe it. I believe this. I believe this. 
want to talk to us about three things that we need to manifest. We do not need to hide in dens and caves and wait till all this is over. We need to start this right now. And I think if we wait till it's a perfect day to be Christian, I think if we, if we are waiting for everything to get back to normal so I can say praise the Lord to somebody, if we are waiting for everything to get back to a sense of normalcy so that I can, I can feel good before I, I be good, I think you're going to miss it. We might just be swimming in a circle. Problems are going to be chaotic right around November in the United States. I was reading uh, this morning where um, a news commentator said, if you think this is bad, I wonder what's going to happen if Donald Trump wins the presidency. And I'm not here to be political. I'm not here to, to I'm just saying that, that there is a precedent that is being set in our culture that the way you change things is you get a brick and you throw it into a plate glass window and you and a hundred other people run into that store and you loot that store and you have 15,000 people that have your back all under the guise of protesting and that is now the new way in which America uh, change. I'm telling you, these things, these things all represent changes that are reverberating and, and we cannot wait for a perfect day to have revival. We can't wait for a perfect opportunity to get back to normal to say let's just go ahead and have revival. It's time to manifest these characteristics right now. And the first one is life. Life. Jesus said, in me is life and life more abundantly. John chapter 1 Verse number four, speaking of Jesus, the word of God made flesh. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. That's in verse four. In him was life. I think we seriously need to delete our news apps off of our smartphone. Pastor, why are you saying this? I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this. Because you have people that are being molded and shaped by our culture, and now they're starting to doubt what God says. They're starting to question where God is in this hour. I, I'm seeing people that are afraid. I'm seeing people that are becoming more reclusive. I'm seeing people that are becoming more isolated. Instead of gathering, instead of becoming more a part of what God is doing, people are becoming more, uh, more distanced from the things of God. And it's because fear is driving people. I want to tell you, the news is, is good to just understand what's going on, get your finger, and then shut it off and get back into the Word of God. Because in the Word of God, the Word made flesh, in Him was light, and the light was the life of men. The life of the, of the church is in the Word of God. It's in my heart. It's in the Word of God that's in my heart. It's in the Word that's been integrated. It's been engrafted. It's become part of me. That's where the hope is. That's where the power is. That's where the joy is, is in my heart. Let's give him praise again. God, I give you praise. God, I give you praise that while gross darkness covers the earth and the people, that there is a group of people that understand the times 
and will do exploits. This life, this light is an incredible evangelistic tool. In fact, the Bible said, they that sat in darkness saw a great light. Paul said in Ephesians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, he said, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. Hallelujah. This is our greatest hour. Life. 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 I'm not going to wait for things to be perfect before I'm going to be nice. I'm not going to wait for things to be good again before I'm a Christian again. You can look all the way through the Bible and you can see the greatest heroes of the Word of God were placed into ad adversarial environments. God called Abram out of the banks of the Euphrates where there was one of the largest rivers in the Word of God, certainly one of the oldest. And he places him in a place he's never been and said, now learn to dig wells. In fact, you're not going to survive if you don't learn to dig. Joseph, given a multicolored coat and an incredible prophecy by God, but then places him in a hole because his brothers rejected the divine favor upon his life and he sat in a prison for 20 years. Daniel, the most gifted man, arguably, in Babylon, placed in a lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego placed in the fire, fiery furnace that was seven times hotter. Elijah placed in a cave because Jezebel wants his head. I could go all day. You have God's people that are placed in an adversarial environment and situation just to see what they'll do. Even Jesus himself, after he was crucified and laid in a tomb, the Bible said he went into the earth and he came out and led captivity captive. He went into hell and preached to the spirits that were in prison, according to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. I wonder what Jesus preached to those spirits that were in prison. I wonder if those were the spirits of men that all died in Noah's flood. I wonder if those were some of the people that, were, that died when they worshiped the golden calf. I wonder if those were some of the spirits of people that refused to live for God. I wonder if Jesus said, I don't even belong here, but I'm down here so I can get the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and I can lead captivity captive. And I can prove that everybody that is truly in me can all handle an adversarial environment. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. God, I love you. God, I praise you. God, I worship you. God, I believe you. That as gross darkness covers the people, the hopelessness, the depression, the suppression, the obliqueness on the human spirit. 
that your people are going to rise in an adversarial environment and the Gentiles will be gathered unto us in Jesus' name. Life, you are not dead, you are not hopeless, you are not depressed. I want to tell you a little bit of, little bit of depression. I think we would be less than honest if we didn't say that every once in a while I feel a tinge of this. I want to tell you as a home missionary, my wife and I starting this church from scratch 26 years ago, there were many moments where I felt that icy cold grip of utter hopelessness, of, of, of not feeling like anything was ever going to happen and we weren't seeing what we believed God for and we didn't, we didn't see coming to pass what we had prayed about and believed God for. But I'm glad that I have a prayer life. I'm glad that I love the word of God. I'm glad that there's a God that's always present. That although I may be in the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to move right on through it. I'm going to walk right on through it. Because I am alive. Number two is hope. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 12 that hope deferred maketh the heart sick. The human, the human element was not designed to live without hope. Hope is probably, if you, could, if you could put it all under a microscope and get to the very essence of the greatest of all human needs beyond biblical salvation, it would be for the human need for hope. Hope. Even if that hope is illusionary, even if that hope is delusional, even if that hope is not a reality, every single human being, their constitution emotionally has to be held, held together with some form of hope. But I'm going to tell you, you and I have the greatest hope. The Bible tells me in Romans 5 and 5, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. At some point in the negativity of where our culture is, we are going to have to assume our role and our functionality in this time, in this hour, and in this environment. And it must be to demonstrate life, demonstrate hope. Romans 8, 24, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, what does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we cannot see, then do we with patience wait for it. I want to tell you, my hope is real. Because I've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Your hope is real. How many of you that are watching this this morning, God has answered your prayers some point in your life. You've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that is only described in no other human documentation but the corpus of Scripture, most notably in the book of Acts. We have something to hope for. We have a reason to give every man an answer for the hope that lieth within us. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. I've got the hope of glory that is within me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.
Number three, while darkness covers the earth and gross darkness to people, while there's pandemonium in the human condition, even though they've left their pot stores open, even though liquor stores are open, even though all the availability of psychotropic and counseling and psychiatry, psychology, whatever, the church of the living God has one role and one function, and that is to rise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Life, hope, and joy. Romans 12, 14, or I'm sorry, Romans 14, 17, or 12, 17 says this, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Do you want to know what is so contagious? Joy is so contagious. It's, it's like laughter. I can, I can watch somebody else laugh, and eventually I get tickled. And eventually I'm laughing. I may not even know what they're laughing at, which sometimes cannot be good. But laughter is contagious. I want to tell you, joy in the midst of darkness is intoxicating. Joy is what this thing is all about. It's the joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Isaiah 12 and 3, With joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. I know that we're not able to have church uh, like, like we want to. I know that we're, we're not able to have church like, like we've been used to. But I want to tell you, this is a perfect time for you to learn how to feed yourself out of the Word of God by going into your daily consecration and into your daily prayer with, with not only just, just a petition, and there's nothing wrong with that, but engaging relationship with God and, and rehearsing the Word of God, meditating and allowing the Word of God to, to feed you and, and sustain you and to grow you and, and to build up your faith. Hallelujah. Joy is a fundamental key in battling oppression and depression. Listen to what the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about exceeding joy. The Bible talks about greater joy, great joy, glory and joy, my joy, your joy, all joy, I with joy, turned into joy, again with joy, leap for joy, thee with joy, voice of joy, name of joy, rejoice for joy, sing for joy, go forth with joy, obtain joy, receive joy, houses of joy, increase your joy, the joy that is set before thee, the joy of the harvest, the joy in your heart, my chief joy, cry aloud for joy, shout for joy, reap in joy, the voice of joy, sacrifices of joy, sorrow to joy, days with joy, seen with joy, tabards with joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Clap your hands and give him praise. I know it's getting dark. I know it's getting oblique. I know it's getting depression. I know it's becoming oppressive. But I wonder if God is setting the church up to become postured for our greatest hour that the Gentiles will be drawn unto us because the glory of God is upon us. Somebody shout right now. Somebody give him glory right now. Somebody give him praise right now. We have direction. We have functionality. We, we have a purpose. We have a purpose. We have a purpose. Somebody praise him.
Somebody give him glory. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Maybe you're watching this here this morning. You're saying, Pastor, I've allowed all this stuff to get to me. I've allowed all these thoughts of oppression. And I've even had, um, over the course of the last several years, Holy Ghost-filled people tell me that they've even felt like uh, there was a voice telling them to commit suicide. I don't doubt that. But I want to tell you, you were not designed for that. You were not designed to be defeated by depression. You were not designed to be overcome with oppression. You have within you a unlimited reservoir of power. And we are being postured. We are, this, uh, this culture thing is, is actually posturing us. It's not a negative. It's a win-win. It's, it's, it's a God thing. This is a God thing. This gross darkness is a God thing. God is allowing this to happen. The rulers of darkness of this present world are not going to win. They are not going to be given the advantage over the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. It's no time to leave the church. It's no time to walk away from the church. It's no time to consider getting out of the church. It is time to act as the church. It's time to function as the church. It's time to praise him as the church. It's time to worship God as the church. It's time to let the glory of the Lord arise upon us. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. God, I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor. Right now, let's pray. If you're viewing this at home, I want you to pray. If you've got friends there, lift your hands. Let's pray. You don't have to quit your college. You don't have to quit your pursuit of a, of a job. You don't have to go out and do something stupid. But I'm going to tell you, it's time to spiritually posture ourselves so that God can begin to draw people that have life, that have hope, that have joy, that is, can't be found through, through marijuana. And it cannot, be, it cannot be consumed like liquor. And it cannot be taken like a pill. And it cannot come from some Netflix, from the joy of this world. But ladies and gentlemen, it's from the power of divine favor. While we're in the darkness, while we're under gross darkness, while we're among people that are ex exhibiting all kinds of maladies and, and, and all kinds of things in their pursuit of a way out of the darkness, it's time to punch a hole in the darkness. Maybe you're watching this this morning. And you don't really have God. Maybe you've been to a church. Maybe you've visited a church. Maybe for years. But you've never really received what that Bible is talking about when it talks about Christ in you. The hope of glory. I want to tell you that God is for you. God loves you. God knows right where you're at. Maybe you're a saint in this church uh, or a saint in another church, apostolic church, and it's been a long time that you've really had that breakthrough. You have to punch through that gross darkness on every level, whether it's on a personal level, whether it's in your church, whether it's in that city, whether it's in that geographical location. There's always a layer of that gross darkness in which somebody needs to punch a hole in that darkness. Let's pray right now. Let's pray, Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus. I pray, O oh God, that unifying together, 
that we are punching a hole in the darkness, in the smothering depression. There are some people under the sound of my voice that have, it, this, this darkness has eclipsed hope. It has eclipsed the joy of living. It has eclipsed the joy of the Lord. But God, you're greater. You're greater. The Bible says that the darkness comprehended it not. When the light begins to shine and the light begins to radiate and the incandescence of the inward power of your spirit and the reality of truth begins to shine out, that the darkness has got to back off. The darkness has got to be pushed back. God, I pray that you do this now amongst your people. Oh, God. I feel like I'm a prophet right now, and the Holy Ghost is on me right now. There are some people that you have accepted the darkness. You have accepted this. You have accepted intellectually. You have accepted this mentally. You have accepted the darkness emotionally. I want to tell you, you are not designed to be swallowed up by darkness. And right there in that den of lions or right there in that prison, like it was a midnight hour and, and, and Paul and Silas, it's dark. It's, in the, it's oblique. They're in chains. There's no way out. There is absolutely no hope. There's guards at the door. There's guards at the gate. But they didn't let that stop them because my spirit is not in a prison. My hope is not in a prison. My faith is not in a prison. My joy is not in shackles. My, my sense of life in God is not in a prison cell. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and just start praising God. I'm going to go ahead and just start magnifying God. I'm going to go ahead and just start giving him the glory. And I'm going to let a great earthquake begin to, to, to tremble. And, and, and other prisoners are going to hear it. And other prisoners are going to experience the liberation that starts with apostolic people that are in the same darkness, in the same prison house, in the same shackles, but say, you know what? God's bigger than this prison. God's bigger than my shackles. God's bigger than my problem. We're going to have revival. Let's praise him right now. Praise him right now. Let's give him the glory. Well, pastor, I don't feel God. That's okay. Punch a hole in the darkness. You got to press through it. You got to you got to just make up your mind that God is on the other side of this cloud and on the other side of the cloud there's a sun and on the other side of this cloud there's stars and on the other side of this cloud there's a blue sky and I'm going to sing again. I'm going to dance again. I'm going to run again. I'm going to praise God again. Let's give him glory right now. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Instead of you giving up on your Christianity, I encourage you, rattle those chains. Rattle those bonds and say, you know what? My spirit's not in prison. My spirit's not in a cave. My spirit is not in this den. But I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to punch a hole. In the darkness. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for joining us here this morning. We look forward to seeing you this week. God bless each and every one of you.